exit sign. Help us keep this historical landmark clean. And remember, there is no food or drink allowed in the theater. Thank you. Good morning, Ocean Hills. Welcome. Thanks for being here. We need you here. Would you stand with us? We're going to worship, lift our voices, remind each other that God is our firm foundation. Jesus is our firm foundation. We go through life so often trying to build our lives on things that are shaky, on sand, stuff that just gets swept away. And so we gather here as a church to refocus our attention, to recalibrate our spirits, our hearts toward Jesus, the one true way, the one place that is never shaken, the place where his love never deserts us, never leaves us alone. So let's sing this together. Christ is our firm foundation. Here we go.
that we will never be alone. We will never be alone. You are with us in our joys and our sorrows. You are with us in the mundane. You're with us when we're folding our laundry and when we're driving our cars. You are with us. We are never alone. Amen. Alrighty, friends, you can take a seat. Welcome to Ocean Hills. Good morning. Okay, that wasn't good enough. Good morning. Good morning, my name is Delaney and I am the director of Ocean Hills High School here um, at Ocean Hills. I already said that. <laughs> um, welcome, we are so glad you're here. I wanna give a special shout out this morning. It is June, so happy June. And with June comes graduation. So a huge special shout out this week. The seniors of Santa Barbara will be graduating from high school. Your God family is so, so proud of you. We are celebrating you, rooting for you. Um, also want to celebrate Westmont students graduated last month in June. UCSB students are graduating in just a few weeks. And can't forget those sixth graders and those eighth graders moving on up to junior high and high school. So one more round of applause for everyone. One of my favorite parts about being one of the youth directors here is, is learning from students. Um, recently, I went on a walk with one of my students, Sammy, who's sitting right over here, and we were talking about why we go to church. And this is what Sammy said to me. She said, even if I don't know the people there, each one of them can relate to me in some way. If I need someone, all I need to do is reach out. It's just nice to know that no matter what, someone can be there. 
It's just nice to know that no matter what, someone can be there. Friends, each of us, we are here in community. All it takes is for you to take that one step, maybe that scary step, to connect with others. We are here for each other. We are resurrection people doing this life together. We're not meant to do it alone. And that's why we show up here on Sundays. And one easy way for you to connect with us is this card I just dropped here. Um, is a connection card. We want to connect with you. If you're new here, there's a spot to write your name, your email, your phone number. Um, you can drop it in one of the boxes on either side here, or we'd love for you to connect with us over by the coffee, enjoy a cup of Dune coffee, and get to know a new friend. Um, we also love to pray for you. Each Monday, our staff comes together and we pray for your prayer request because we are in this together. You are not alone. Because of your generous giving, Ocean Hills, we're able to see God changing lives. We're seeing students get Bibles for the first time, students leaning into God's word, leaning into serving in our community. Your giving is participating in God's kingdom here, right here, right now. Um, for the rest of this service, we're going to keep leaning into what God has for us. We're going to continue to worship through God's word, through music. So pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Let's join back together in service, friends. Amen. Thank you, Delaney. I want to invite you to stand one more time with us as we just prepare our hearts to hear from Lori this morning. Let's lean into the, the greater overarching God's story.
we are the church of Christ that was born, that is here to declare freedom that Jesus brings. So let's sing this with one voice. us enter into the wonder of what that means. And Father, thank you for loving us enough to send your Son. Fill us with gratitude. Fill us with your Spirit this morning, Lord. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, and you should also be. Okay. Passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. Can we... You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to. Again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Mm, okay. Now, if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. Uh, tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots, and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And, you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God 
to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a savior. Well, hey, Ocean Hills. It's been a minute since I've been here. Actually, it's been a long time since I've been here. I think the last time I preached, we were out on the patio. And for those of you who are like, who is that woman on stage? My name is Lori Short. I actually used to be on staff here at Ocean Hills. And my husband and boy, who you just saw, who's now a man, um, have been here for a long time and love this church, and I am thrilled to bring the word to you here this morning. And I am closing out the series of Mild to Wild, and we are closing out the series with the Great Commission, which you just saw a lot of really good examples of what to do. Um, but the last one really is a true story. Tommy and Eddie are my friends. They're the skit guys, and uh, Tommy led Eddie to the Lord by an invitation. And if we think back on our own story, we know that it, it began for us with an invitation. Whether it was an invitation from your parents to come to church, which was a strong invitation, maybe you didn't have a choice in that matter. But I know for myself, I was raised in the Serbian Orthodox Church, and there's one other Serbian in the house, um, Alex over there, Tammy's Alex. But I was baptized as an infant, and my mom said that the priest almost drowned me. He had me down there for a long time, which might have some explanation for what I'm doing today. I don't know. But the thing about growing up in a church in that day, which was mainly in Serbian, is that you don't always understand everything that's happening. I knew I believed in God, but I didn't know that I could have a relationship with this God. And so it was my senior year in high school that I got an invitation. And what I've learned about invitations is they don't even really have to be good, the invitation itself. Because this particular invitation came from my boyfriend at the time, and it was an incredibly meaningful relationship of three weeks with Phil Hayes. And I mean, I just knew we were destined. And so he was, it was gonna be his birthday. And I told him, which will give you some indication of my spiritual life, that I wanted to give him a keg party at my house for his birthday. And he said, you know what, I promised my young life leader that I would go to this camp. And I said, well, then I'm going with you, of course. I mean, I'm your wife, practically. So um, <laughs> we were that couple in the back of the bus making out the whole way there. I had no idea where I was going. And that weekend changed my life because I heard for the first time that this God that I always believed in wanted a relationship with me, and all I had to do was say yes. It wasn't anything fancy. I don't even remember the guy who was speaking, but I just remember the work of God in my heart. And the next week, my boyfriend and I sadly broke up, but Jesus and I have been together ever since then. <laughs> so the invitation, the invitation, what Christ is calling us to do is to be the inviters. And that's moving from mild to wild in our faith. 
I think some of us read the Great Commission and instead of hearing go and make disciples, we hear go and be a disciple and just sit in church for a long time. Just grow in your own faith. But we don't realize that we are the plan for reaching others. And that intimidates a lot of us. And if, if you know me, you know that I like to look in the scripture, and I will be very honest with you, when John said, I want you to preach on the Great Commission, I, I do speaking for a living, and I have never once given a talk on the Great Commission. So it's been so fun for me to just get into this passage. And if you want to, you can get on your phones or turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. We're gonna be looking at this Great Commission a little more closely. But what I wanna look at first is the verse before the Great Commission. And some of you might remember years ago when Mark Laberton preached on Easter Sunday, but he was the first person to introduce this verse because I had never really thought of it before. But before the Great Commission, it says that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, there are 11 at this point, not 12, because Judas is no longer with them. So 11 disciples, and here's what the next verse says. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I want you to just think about this. There's only 11 disciples there. It's not like a big crowd of people, 11 disciples. These were the guys that followed Jesus. These were the guys that are now looking at the resurrected Christ. And yet, some doubted. We are all doubter believers. And that's what Mark said when he was preaching. I never forgot it. All of us have days where we wake up and go, is this really real? And maybe if you've had that day, you've wondered if you're alone. You are not alone. We are all a mixture of doubting and believing. But here's the crazy thing about Jesus. He still went on to entrust the Great Commission to this group of somewhat lame doubter believers. So it's not about us. It's about the power that we've been given. But here's the other thing that I noticed, and it wasn't until I read this so many times that I saw this. When Jesus begins the Great Commission, so he's looking at his disciples, he says this in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he tells them to go and make disciples. Did you catch that? You would almost think that he would say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, because you're the ones that are going to go out and make disciples. No, that's not what Jesus says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. We are the inviters, but we are not responsible for the life change that happens when we invite. We are merely the vessels that God uses in other people's lives, and that takes the pressure off. We do not have to be perfect to share the faith. Some of you have been sitting here for five years and you haven't yet shared with anybody else because you think, I just need another year. I think maybe if I just grow a little bit more, if I become a better Christian, then maybe I can share my faith with others. No, the minute you become a Christian, you have what you need to share your faith. 
because it's not about you. You are the instrument that God uses. So let's hear this great commission. And then what I'm going to do is suggest, because I thought, you know, the, the thing I don't want to do is get everybody all fired up and then go, now what? I have no idea what to do. And so we're going to get a little bit practical here. But let me go ahead and read the great commission. Here's what Jesus says. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So we're talking about going from mild to wild in this sermon series. So what I want to talk about today is how to go from moving from hearing this, which all of us practically have memorized this, a lot of us know these verses, from doing what the verses say to move from being a disciple to making disciples, even if you don't feel qualified to do it. Because congratulations, you're just like everybody else who God has used since the beginning of time and will continue to use after we're gone. So here are four things that I thought about as we think about this daunting task of making disciples. The first is to start where you are. Start where you are. Who's in your life right now? Your families. Many of you maybe even started, to coming, started coming to church because you thought about how important it would be for your children to raise them up. And so that's where we start is in our families. How are you with your family? What kind of person are you? Now, maybe for some of us, we think, oh my gosh, my family really sees who I am. I'm the worst witness at home. Well, it's not about being perfect. It's about being an honest believer doubter. That's what we all are. It's about living in a way that shows that you are a follower of Jesus. And I know in my household, the least perfect that I am is at home. And most of us would say the same. So it's about keeping short accounts. It's about apologizing when you blow it. It's about doing things in your life that show your kids that you are actually a believer, that you are a follower of Jesus. It's, it's what you live is what you believe. And honestly, that is the most powerful witness you will have. But beyond your family, who are your neighbors? Do you even know your neighbors? I'm embarrassed to say that until COVID hit, I think a lot of us felt this way, like we just got to know our neighbors because those were the only people that we got to see, the ones that were right around us. And that's what happened in our little area. We began to get to know our neighbors. Those are the people in your life that you see every day. Who are the people that you work with? You are where you are for a reason. God has a plan for you where you are right now. And so he wants to use you with the people around you. It's relational. Now, how many of you have a sign right in front of your, or in your lawn or somewhere on your property that says, love everyone always? Does anyone else still have that sign? Okay, a lot of us still do. We've had that thing for seven years. I mean, it's pretty beat up at this point. But I will tell you, what I have realized about that sign is that I think that sign is more for me than for anyone else. 
Because when I walk out and I'm about to yell at the gardener because he's making too much noise and I want it quiet inside, I'm standing next to the sign that says love everyone always. I'm like, I can't yell at him right now. <laughs> What's he going to think? And it has helped me so much as I go into the world and realize that our greatest call is to love. And that's honestly leads me to the second point, to start where they are. Make disciples looks different no matter where, or it, it, what it matters is where the people are. Because contrary to what many of us have been told about the faith, this isn't like a line to cross or a one decision that is made. It is a path that you are leading people on. It's the path of following Jesus. And yes, there are decisions that are made along that path where you begin to grow in your faith, where you respond to Jesus for the first time, where you start living with the Holy Spirit, where you make a decision to do something. Yes, there are decisions, but this is a path. So everybody's in a different place. And a lot of the people that you know might not even be in a place to be ready for any kind of witnessing that you would do. But what can you do? What can you do to begin loving the people around you so they begin to notice Jesus, who is in you by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the way you are? I came up with three things that you could do. And by the way, I wanted, wait, I wanted to refer to, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the scripture that I want to give you because this is really a great example of this. Paul, when he was in Athens, because you know, Paul went over and was uh, all, going all over the place. In fact, Scott Lassay and a bunch of Westmont students are doing this right now, but he, it, they're traveling where Paul was. But Paul was going all over the place sharing about Jesus. And when he got to Athens, it says in Acts uh, 17 that he was distressed because he saw so many idols all over the city. But what's interesting is that Paul didn't speak out of being distressed and angry and upset, which so many of us do, because we can't believe they're living like this and you know, turn or burn and all that stuff. He didn't, he didn't speak out of that. He gets a chance to speak at the Areopagus and that's where everybody went to share their ideas because they, you know, they had so many different ideas of spirituality like we do in today's culture. And when he stood up, he said this, and I think we have the scripture. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are religious. You know what Paul did? He identified the spiritual hunger that was in the city. Do you have eyes to see spiritual hunger? You know, spiritual hunger hides in really weird places. It hides in addiction. When people are trying to get from a substance something they can only get from God, that is spiritual hunger. You know, Philip Yancey has this great quote that I remember reading and I never forgot it. It said, when someone is knocking on the door of a brothel, they are knocking for God. We can see that as Christians. Those of us who know what it is to have the only thing that satisfies us, we know that that's the answer, but people don't consciously know that. But have you identified that spiritual hunger in what people are doing around you? That's what Paul did. And what was interesting is he went around the city and he saw all these idols all over the place. And he saw one that said, to an unknown God. 
So that's what he talks about in the Areopagus. He says, and I saw one idol that says to an unknown God. It was, it was kind of like they were just trying to cover their bases. In case we missed one, we'll get one to an unknown God. And he said, and I want to tell you who that God is that you have an idol for, that unknown God and then began to share about Jesus. So you see what Paul did, he took where they were and then moved them into the gospel, into sharing who Jesus was. But if you read the entire story, he had very mixed reviews. At the end, it said some sneered at him and said, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. And that's gonna be the response sometimes when people aren't ready. But remember, that's not your part in the equation. That's God's part. God is the one that opens hearts. We're just the ones that are there to speak about it. And some did listen and came back the next day to hear more about this God. So Paul had a minimal success. But the point was, he was an inviter, which is what we're called to do. So three things I came up with that you could do. The first thing, honestly, if you don't think someone is anywhere spiritually and you're just wanting to build a relationship with them, meet a need. You just start watching people and seeing when they're having a hard day. You start coming into their life and doing something for them that they would never expect and they're gonna start wondering why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not that you go into it with an agenda. Your agenda is merely to love. But that is one inroad into people's lives that we don't even think about, is looking for those needs. Maybe it's just inviting someone for coffee and getting to know them with no agenda whatsoever, just getting to know them. So meeting a need is one of the things, and I had personal experience with this because after I uh, got to know my neighbors. Um, we had a neighbor across the way from us, and we live in kind of a, a bunch of cottages, and so we were pretty close to each other. And after we had built this relationship across the way, we discovered that um, one of our friends who lived there had pancreatic cancer. And I went over there and was given the opportunity to pray by her bedside, and God gave her two more years, and she started attending this church. And I don't know what happened spiritually inside of her. She actually just passed away a couple weeks ago. But I know that that was a need I saw, and instead of shying away and saying, I don't know if I should do this, of course you just ask. But I was invited into this holy space to be able to pray with her. And then what happened afterwards was she began to be more open. That's what we're about. So meeting a need, that's the first thing. The second thing, is to invite and invite again. See, some of us do this. Well, I invited them five years ago. They weren't interested, and so, you know what, I'm not, I, you know, I know they're not interested. You guys, you, God is working in people's lives, and you have no idea when the invitation will be that they will take. And we have a pastor here who went like the 20th time this kid invited him, because mainly because he wanted him to stop bugging him. John Ireland came to an event where he heard about Jesus the first time because the guy took a risk to invite him again and again and again and again. So again, it's between you and this person about how much or how often you do that. But don't give up on people because you have no idea how God is working in their life. 
So keep those nudges that are, are, are moving in you. When, when God brings that name to mind, that person to mind, some of you are thinking about people right now, but you're thinking about them for a reason. Because the Holy Spirit is always at work. Remember, the power comes from him, not from us. So invite and invite again. And then the third thing is to do something together. Maybe it's volunteering, saying, you know what, our church, once a month, we go to the homeless meal. Would you, would you ever want to come with me? Now, again, this is depending on where they're at. And another thing you might do together is read a book. Read a book that's more of a discipleship book, that has scripture in it, that has questions in it. Two of the books that I've written have have been written that way, where they're more scripture driven. And because I wanted to give you something today, I'm gonna do a friend special after the service on these two books. But I, it doesn't have to be my book. The point is, is that you're looking for maybe questions that friends have that you've talked to, maybe some people who are even have checked out Ocean Hills, and you're thinking of a book that you read. Hey, maybe I should get one for my friend, and we should read it together this summer. That's just three little examples of things that you can do. But we're trying to move in the series from mild to wild to actually doing the things that we're talking about on Sunday morning. So that is start where they are. Now, let's go to the third one, which I think is so important, and I've alluded to this, is that realize you are accompanied. Remember, Jesus says, the power and authority is mine, but I am with you. I am with you. So you're accompanied. So the nudges that you feel to say something when you're with somebody, or that you feel to pray for somebody, or when somebody's Somebody comes to your mind and you're like, why, did, why am I thinking about this person right now? Those are all the Holy Spirit working in you. But the other part of this is realizing that you're accompanied means that it's not up to you the way they respond, for good or for bad. We tend to take more credit when it's bad. We go, oh, it's, it's because of me. I said it wrong. That's why they didn't become a Christian, you know. It, it, we hardly ever take the credit when it's good. But either way, we can't take the credit. And you know, I've been speaking for 30 years, and a lot of my uh, speaking career was uh, in youth ministry. And those of us who have been in youth ministry, we know that when we go to camp, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit has been booked in for Saturday night. So the speaker is told, you know, Saturday night's the night. Saturday night's the night. And I have to tell you, as a speaker, it really, those of you who have done this, you know, you feel a lot of pressure. I mean, you know it's not about you, but you feel it's about you. Like, they're going to determine how good of a speaker I was by how many kids stand up and receive Jesus, which is absolutely ridiculous because it has nothing to do with the person. It's God's movement. And I remember one time, you know, it was just such a big thing, you know, Saturday night, Saturday night, oh, it's always so great. You know, I was like sweating, you know, just thinking about it. And I think there were maybe 10 kids who stood up. And there were about 200, 250 kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. That's, that's, those were literally my thoughts as I'm praying for 10 kids who stood up to receive Jesus. It wasn't about me. It was about God's work. Well, another time I was at a camp and I went into it going, there is not one kid that is going to make a commitment for Jesus. I could just tell. They were just not into it at all. And then the night that I presented the gospel, 
a storm came into camp. I'm not kidding you guys. It was like I had orchestrated the thing and talked to God. It came in and as I would say a line, you know, boom, you know, the thunder, <laughs> the lightning behind me. I mean, it was like, I'm looking at these kids and they're like, I mean, their eyes are this big. So when I gave the invitation, every kid in that camp stood up. I don't even know if they knew what they were doing. It was like, man, whatever's going on, it's real. That had nothing to do with me. Whether there was a little response or a big response, we are just the inviters. And so take that pressure off of you, even if it's a bad invitation. Think of Phil Hayes. He was like, well, I promised my young life leader I'd go to camp. I'm like, okay, then I'll go with you. That's a lame invitation. And that invitation changed my life. So don't worry so much about what you do and what you say. God will do the work and the power. You are accompanied by the power that is in you. And then the last thing is that actions speak louder than words. Of course, we've all heard what's attributed to St. Francis, but they don't even know for sure if he said it. But preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I'm a huge believer that it's our actions that really show who God is. But it's not just our actions in the sense of living this perfect life, which I've already told you none of us do. It's also the actions of the kind of life we're living. To live a bigger life and then invite others into it. And what I love about this church is that it is filled with stories of big, big things happening. And all you have to do is invite people in to these stories that are already happening. And I know that many of us, even last week, I know Chuck uh, had Lila up here and talking about Amor, and we've seen the power of all these people going and, and, the, and the lives that have been changed and the houses that have been built, and we've all been a part of that behind them as they've gone. And then the clean water, to know that we're the number one church in the country that has raised so much money for clean water. And I'm so proud of those stories. But those are just a couple of the stories that have been happening at this church. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that we have a history of this. The quiet stories, the stories of reading at Franklin School. So many in this church next to you have volunteered once a week reading for kids at Franklin School. Some people next to you every summer volunteer at the Royal Kids Camp. The Royal Kids Camp is a one-week camp for foster kids that never get anything until that week. I mean, they celebrate all the birthdays. They have three uh, kids to one counselor. The ratio's incredible. And there are people that come every summer just to serve those kids. And the, the leader of this, the Hammers and their daughter Becca, are in this church. We have these incredible ministries, but do you know when I first came to Ocean Hills, which was a long time ago, we were doing mission trips. So we have people that have been multiple times to Ecuador with the ministries there that Ocean Hills has been a part of and is still a part of, to Africa, to Nicaragua, to Haiti. Haiti was the thing that when I came, I just had such a heart for Haiti because I knew a pastor there. And so I dug in my files and I found the picture of 
the team that I took in 2006, and I want, to, I want you to see these people right here. And some of this team, in fact, are in that row right there. Would you stand up if you are in this picture right now? There's Gail Clay, there's June. <laughs> oh, there's Tommy Anderson, I'm so glad you came. You never answer your texts, I'm so glad you're here. Tom Anderson, his wife Mary, Carly, many of you know, Gail, June, and Kip Bradley, and that's my friend Ephraim. And what is so amazing about this story, and again, this is just one of many stories, is that the story has continued. We went for four years. Tom has gone like three times a year down to Haiti when he was able to, and done health clinics down there. Gail has continued to be in relationship with Ephraim. We've ended up helping Ephraim build a, a school on top of his church. And then uh, one of the big needs was to get toilets put in. And so we were able to raise money. And this next picture shows the kids the day they got the toilets and they opened them up because they didn't have to go down the street. And so these ministries continue. This was just a couple years ago. This church and this school has continued to meet and been a refuge, because I don't know if you've heard about Haiti, it's not even on anybody's radar, but the gangs have infested that country, and nobody's helping. But it's just starting to rise up. The people are starting to rise up, which is such a blessing. But Ephraim's church has ended up housing like 80 people at a time, where people have just lived there because there was no safe space for them. These are ministries that are going on all around you. These are just some of the bigger stories that people around you are living. And so I want to encourage you, if you maybe don't have it in you to say anything, simply invite somebody into a bigger story that's already happening here at Ocean Hills. Because I'll tell you what, nothing changes anybody more than when you're a part of one of those experiences. And those experiences are happening in Santa Barbara and all over the world. And the people in this church are part of those experiences, and we're seeing that all the time. And you know, many of you know that uh, Jordan, um, well maybe some of you don't know, is going into the Marine Corps. And this is his last Sunday. He's gonna go to boot camp next week. And so, you know, we're getting ready for that. But one of the things that struck me is he made this decision all by himself. And the reason he made this decision is because he wanted to do something bigger with his life. And I believe a lot of the reason that he wanted to do something bigger and be part of something bigger is because he's been part of something bigger here at Ocean Hills. He's been a part of some of these trips. He's gone to Nicaragua with a bunch of families. He's been raised up going to camps with people from this church, family camp, youth camp. He now works with junior high, and some of you know your junior hires have. So he's, he's been a part of something bigger here, and I think that's shaped him to the point where he wants to be part of something bigger and serve this country. And so in a very real way, the Christian life isn't just what we learn. It's what we live. That is really going to be the biggest witness that we have. And I am so proud to be a part of a church that is so committed to living a bigger story and to actually living what we believe. I'm going to call the band to come on up uh, right now, but we're going to move into a time of communion. I thought this is so perfect because, you know, communion is 
symbolically the place that we ingest Jesus. You know, Jesus was with his disciples um, the night before he was going to be arrested and taken and that he was going to be crucified and died for our sins. And he gathered his disciples and the meal took on a new meaning. He picked up the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat it. And so the disciples ate the bread and it was different than bread. It took on a different meaning. They were, in a very real sense, ingesting Jesus. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will know that I am with you. And so we've been doing this ever since. So today, as you take communion, I'm gonna invite you into an experience, both personally and possibly for you to think about even maybe some people that God has on your heart that maybe he wants you to be an inviter to. So the first part about communion is simply coming to the table. And we invite everybody to do that. Wherever you are, if you, if you know Jesus, you are invited to this table. To come and to take the bread and to take the cup and to remember that you don't do this alone, that you have the power inside of you. And maybe you need prayer. We're gonna have our prayer team up here during communion. And maybe you need prayer for courage because maybe you've never shared your faith. Maybe, maybe you've never invited anyone to come here. And maybe you just need courage. Or maybe you have someone on your heart that you want so badly to know Jesus. Maybe you have invited them over and over again and you're ready to give up. And maybe God doesn't want you to give up because maybe your prayers are the thing that's gonna bring that person. We don't know God's timing and it's always longer than ours. So be thinking about that as you come. And then we've also got notebooks here with pens. And we wanna invite you that if you have someone or people on your heart that you just wanna give them to God and pray for them, remember what Tommy said even in the video. I just prayed for him. That's all I did during the service. And then, of course, Eddie ended up making a commitment to Jesus. So who's that person that you want to pray for? The staff would love to join you in that prayer. So just feel free to put some names in these books if you want to do that. So there are a variety of ways that you can respond to this message. But the biggest response, and I'm going to pray for you now, that I want you to have is to move from mild to wild and not just being a disciple, but making disciples, because you are the plan. You're not the whole plan, but you're a big part of the plan. God has chosen us to be the inviters, and it's his power at work with us that brings other people into a relationship with him. So let me pray. God, it's... Uh, sometimes intimidating to think about for a variety of reasons. Either because we feel inadequate, which is often the case, or we feel we, we don't know enough, or we're scared, or we've done it already a million times and the person isn't interested. But Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit right now to work and move. And if you're bringing people to our minds, there's a reason for that. 
Maybe it's our passion because we would love to see this person come to know you. But Lord, everybody, everybody is who you have a heart for. You love every single person on this earth and you long for them to come into relationship with you and you have given us this commission. What a privilege to be the inviters. I pray that you would help us think about what it is you are nudging us and moving in us to do because your spirit is at work within us. And when we take this bread and this cup, maybe we, may we be reminded again that it's not about us. It's about you in us. And so God, do what you do during this time and move and work in each person exactly the way you want to. Thank you that we can trust that. In Jesus' name, amen.
to share our faith, to just share what you are doing in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, we trust you that you are the one that actually um, does the work of transforming people's hearts. So Lord, we release that pressure right now. We release that, that heavy weight of even expectation, Lord. Would you help us to just op- open-handedly and openly um, love those around us? In Jesus' name, amen send you out. We're going to stay and sing a few songs. So if you need to come forward and write more names that have come to mind in the journals or come and pray or just stay right where you're at and continue worshiping with us, you're welcome to do that. We want this space to be a place where we get to find that little bit of stillness that we often can't find in our week. And if you're ready to head out or you're going to lunch, we just ask that you take your conversations outside and go enjoy that time on the patio. Before we close, just want to remind each other and ourselves that God is good. All the time. All the time. He really is bigger and better and more present than we think. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here
for more of you, would you pour out your spirit right here, right now in this place over every person here. We trust you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, you guys. Bless you.